0: History.
1: Oh, 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 before we start, how, how are we, how are we uh, putting this one down? Is it DadBot History or DadBot After Dark?
2: I don't... sure. There's, Whatever you want.
3: This is definitely an After Dark.
2: After Dark. We're talking All right. about <laughs> RvG.
1: Alright, I'm, I'm just gonna roll. I don't want to waste any of the good stuff beforehand.
2: Okay. I thought we already were rolling. Well,
1: welcome to Dan Bond After Dark. I'm Eric. We've got Jake. We've got Cameron. And tonight, we're gonna be talking about rbg not red green blue and the supreme court among other things the notorious rbg thank you for getting it right yeah so what's up what's going on
2: well just a small news cycle this past week or so um ruth bader ginsburg uh passed away from it was a pancreatic i think it was pancreatic cancer um on September 18th and just to add another spice of life to the year that is 2020 um, it's thrown an already wild and totally unprecedented election into even more hysteria I think is a fair assessment of her passing away Um, you know it and I guess before we get into the, the consequences of it, I mean, she was around since 19, on the Supreme Court since 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of one of those steady hands on the court. Uh, she actually served um, on the U.S. District Court in D.C. with uh, Scalia. They served for years before he went on to the Supreme Court and then she came with him. And, um, oh, so that was, was a
1: package deal?
2: Well, she actually came later. Ever. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, Reagan got a twofer with that one, um, but yeah, she's just. Uh, I don't. I don't like to throw the word iconic around, but she's definitely a mainstay in the American mm-hmm. political yeah, I, I, and she's judicial kind of a, system.
1: A lion of the the Supreme Court and the judiciary. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't think I would jump on board most of her decisions, but. Um, Yeah. And I think there's some that I would stand very strongly against. But, you know, lions be lioning.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and I think what's interesting is, and maybe we'll get into this, but I think the Supreme Court has always been kind of apart from the rest of Congress and the United States government and the partisanship. And while obviously you have your conservative members and you have your liberal members, um, Something that they've strived to maintain for 200 plus years now is kind of a, we don't get involved into the day-to-day political stuff. We just try to rule on the constitutionality of things. And one of the hallmarks of the Roberts Court, this Supreme Court with John Roberts as the Chief Justice, is he's really had to balance a fine line between getting too political and protecting the integrity of the court. Um, but Ginsburg and, and a lot of the justices before her and her contemporaries were still in that. We're here to do the business of the country and we're here to make our decisions, but not get involved in the political nature of those decisions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Once um, you're confirmed, it's pretty apolitical. Yeah. But, but those last few weeks before your confirmation, it's nothing but. Mm hmm. And I, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon I think that's just going to get worse um, well
2: and it's it's funny because before even even George Bush's George w. Bush's nominees which was Roberts and Alito they I think both of those crossed the 60 vote threshold to get confirmed and before mm-hmm. then Supreme Court justices would get approved like I think Ginsburg got approved 96 to 3 um you know and, and and I know Clarence Thomas his nomination was contentious but he still cleared north of 60 votes on that so i, I think there there was it wasn't that long ago where people could put aside the partisanship and say is this, person this man can or woman do this a, job are they qualified right. to do the job do they meet what we consider the standard of the supreme court and i think personally Trump's two appointees have met that threshold, but because we live in this hyper, you know, with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, but because we live in this hyper-political system, they had to get kind of run through the ringer. Um, oh, yeah. Especially Kavanaugh. Um, Gorsuch, um, he, I think he got like 58 votes. That's what he got confirmed with. Um, so not quite 60, but definitely more than just the Republicans.
3: So, and just to state the obvious, I mean, the... How can it not be political? Because the Mm -hmm. stakes are so high. It's a lifetime term. You know, some major, major things get decided by the Supreme Court. So, Mm -hmm. like all things, it's become more political than it needs to be. But, you know, going into the presidential race, it just magnifies everything that is about to happen one way or another.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is... In a sense, I think the, the worst possible time to have a Supreme Court vacancy. Um,
1: uh, unless just, you're looking for entertainment.
2: Oh, yeah. Man, no, in that case, it's going to be the best. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Um. So so do we want to touch on any lighter fare before we really get into some of the ins and outs of uh, Supreme yes, Court nomination? Yes, I do. Okay. Because I got... Something.
2: It was my oh, okay. birthday this past week. That's right. So... My wife got me some t-shirts. Cameron, I think you're going to appreciate this one. They're all historical base. And that's backwards. But it says, I ain't saying she's a gold digger. But she did move to California in 1849.
3: So. That is fantastic. Yeah, uh, had
2: another one that said, it showed a volcano. And it said, the floor is lava. Pompeii. You know, everyone. Pompeii. Right, yeah, Good stuff. Too soon. Too soon I know. 79 AD. Um, never forget. So, I got so a few.
3: I've, I've got something. Um, so, thanks to Jake's recommendation, I started watching this show alone on mm-hmm. Netflix. And it's been a really, really long time since my wife and I had a show that we kind of shared. And, you know, it's a big deal. So, <laughs> yeah. we discovered it like. Probably a week ago. We're most of the way through the season right now, and
2: which um which from, season? Where are they? Uh,
3: six. It's it's Alaska in the Arctic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. And to my knowledge, that's the only one on Netflix. So if that's that's what I'm watching. But um, she is legitimately mad at me for doing a dad pod history podcast and not sitting and watching alone with her. So the aptly named alone. I might be. Sleeping Mm. alone
2: tonight Okay No I know It's funny we watched that season And then there's a couple seasons on Hulu That you can watch And then we found Mm. a couple more on Amazon Prime And then I like I bought one of the seasons Because me and my wife were just addicted To watching it I mean it's fascinating And I don't get into reality TV Really at all But Alone was good So Yeah, um, my,
3: my early winner that I picked was like, oh, this guy's going to 100% win, was out kind of midway through, so I had to eat some crow on that one.
2: <laughs> Which one was he? Do you remember?
3: Um, what was his... Brady, the survival expert. He's like an Air Force guy. Yeah. And he just seemed so even keel, not too high, too low. Yeah. Had a really good strategy. Yeah. And um, ironically, the fact that he was just... He missed his wife and kids he's just like i'm bored I'm yeah he's like i'm
2: he goes i didn't think i'd be I this lonely out. and he just yeah like he tapped Which, out in like 40 days
3: yeah and i feel like you would have come to grips with that prior to getting on the show but i don't know-hmm disappointing
2: yeah strong he was a strong favorite i agree yeah.
3: so I, I think I've got two episodes left so don't ruin it for me
2: I won't Eric, you need to get down on this.
3: Yeah,
1: that's what I hear. I've heard, I've heard good things about it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, yeah, you know, I had to watch The Office for the fourth time through, once I started listening to that uh, podcast. So I did that, and I've kind of gotten stuck in some books to the point that I'm not watching a lot of stuff on my phone anymore. So I haven't pulled up any new Netflix shows or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just been reading. I've been listening many... to the Hamilton soundtrack a lot, though. I really mm-hmm. cannot get. Still, like processing parts of that. I think it's good. I enjoy it.
3: Yeah, and and it's funny, Eric. To your point, um, by no means am I a rap aficionado, but there's some. Uh, lyrics and stuff that i recognize from uh big mm-hmm. from back in the day in yeah. the 90s and i thought you know that's that's cool so and I, homage to him. I,
1: I know that those are there i don't recognize them because i'm a tupac tupac uh tupac um, man myself um okay you know so i
3: don't i don't i mean i think B-I-G. the rivalry
2: has died down i think you can you can listen to that East Coast stuff now. No,
3: no, it's one or the other, Jake. It's okay. one or the other. Red versus blue, East versus West.
1: That's why I was
2: happy to be in the Midwest. We could listen to both without, without being <laughs> you a
1: You guys t- have Eminem. Um, so enjoy yeah, that. Do. What? I do. Oh, I you said... <laughs> It's a family show. So I thought you said something else. Um, it didn't. All right, so sports, you know, so we're recording this on Sunday... Packers won. Uh, Vikings 2-0. totally just... They're done. Uh, but The, Cardinals the Niners won,
2: but the Niners sacrificed all their starters and still yeah. trounced the Jets. They lost their quarterback. The Niners
3: <laughs> won, but there were six key injuries. That's so. what we call a Pyrrhic
1: victory. Yeah. Um, yeah, the NFC West is basically undefeated except for the Niners lost to the Cardinals in Week 1. Um. It sounds like there's a lot of exciting games today uh, with the Cowboys, I guess the Seahawks, and the Lakers. Which I'm not happy about, but finished mm-hmm. finished that game with a last-second three. Um, and the Big Ten is coming
2: back, so woo! I don't know. I'll I'll get excited. I guess when it actually starts, but end of October. Right now.
1: I don't know what they can really do uh between the end of October and when like bowl games start getting scheduled
2: but- well yeah, I don't know either. I don't know how I, it's I all gonna work. S-
3: I saw some criteria and and literally there were there were four or five um little check marks on the college football season, and one of them was style point you know that was one of the given things that the polls were to consider with style points because everybody's playing a different season at a different time and uh, yeah. such different rules. I mean, so. I guess you
2: could you can push bowl season out a little bit. Well, it looks right? like
3: the
1: last week of FBS Division One games is December twelfth, which is really late. I mean, those are those are scheduled games. Now, a lot of those are looks like a lot of Big Ten games that week. Uh, but they're going yeah. out 16 weeks. Um, but see, no, everyone else is still playing on December 5th, it looks like. Um,
3: when is championship week typically? Is it like very It's the first week of, of December?
2: December. Yeah, because that's okay. when we do our pub golf. Yeah. It was championship week, and that's remember. the first weekend of December. So that's um, going to be
1: uh, December 19th, it looks like.
2: Okay.
3: We'll be yeah, some of those, late. I think big 10 games are going to be a lot more weather impacted now.
2: Yeah, that's true. Although
3: maybe this is a year from Wisconsin, you know, they've got all those road graders up front. Yeah. Finally, you know, run it 45 times a game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If we have a quarterback that can at least do a shovel pass, we should be okay. It's Our big chance. We always get the, we always get the quarterback. That's just like the, like, if you needed a dictionary definition of game manager, that's what he is. He's just he can do some out routes and some crossing, but he can't he can't air that ball out to save anybody. his life, yeah, so they're just like, well, just feed it to Jonathan Taylor, just give it to the running back and have him follow these dumpsters in the offensive line. so I don't know, we'll see. I don't have a bunch of high hopes for. The Big Ten this year, I, I think it's going to be either Clemson or Bama again, playing for the playing for the title.
3: And it was pretty much a gut punch the way that the the Bucks went down, huh? That
2: yeah, was really unexpected. It was. It was so. And it, it, I think there's a lot of factors, but I, honestly, I think the biggest one is the way the Bucks play, and watching them play last season in this season before the shutdown, is that they're so emotional and they so feed off of the crowd. And I think not having that in the bubble really affected them. And then I think the whole thing with um, the Jacob Blake shooting and and the thing stuff in Kenosha was a factor. But I don't – I mean, they weren't playing that – great in the bubble before that so I I really think not having the ability to play in front front of their fans at Fiserv um, really kind of took them out of their rhythm Mm. so and I mean the the Heat's good (laughs) I mean the Heat's a good team no doubt but yeah wasn't great so now all my hopes rest on the Packers and a Scrappy Brewers team to lead us to glory We'll see what happens.
3: Hmm. Yeah, and I just feel like LeBron is essentially has locked up his fourth championship or whatever it is. And, you know, like I said, I've, I've gone on record as saying I've liked the Lakers, followed the Lakers, been a fan of the Lakers for years. But I just can't do it when LeBron's on that roster. Yeah. I openly root against the Lakers because of LeBron.
2: And I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who in the East is going to hang tough with the Lakers. That mean, maybe the Heat, maybe
3: Eric. What is that smug
0: smile?
1: I, I just I read something and it fits our uh, our podcast, so I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you. I'll share it with you when we get past sports because it's, it's making me smile.
2: Well, I mean, we can stop talking sports now if no, that'll make no, you I mean, I like happy. Sports.
1: I like sports, but
2: all right, let's talk about the Quidditch finals, real quick.
1: Quidditch. Okay, so uh, I just came across this on Facebook, and it's a picture of Yoda from Star Wars, kind of asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it says, "Once I became a parent." I finally understood the scene where Yoda gets so tired of answering Luke's questions, he just dies. <laughs> and I just—I don't know. Yeah. Like my my oldest son, if you get him into a spot, he will just ask questions until just not stop. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable he will go for hours doing one thing in particular and you'll not hear from him and then something else will happen and it's just rapid fire questions. just they do not end and you, you don't even really get to answer too many of them either because they just mm-hmm. keep coming. and the best the time it happens the most is from the moment we back the car out of the garage until we get into the parking lot at school. And mind you, that's a three minute drive for us
2: captive audience.
1: Gosh, And the worst part of that, that's when I'm starting to make a checklist in my head. Here are the things I need to do when I get to school. Here's the things that I need to accomplish before 8 a.m. And I'm trying to make that mental list. But each of those Mm -hmm. items just keeps getting knocked out of my head by his questions. And I can't even answer the questions. It's unbelievable.
3: Do those questions have to be answered by daddy, or can can mommy chime in on those? It, it like if you if, it doesn't matter
1: because I can't think. It's usually it's it's aimed at one or one of us or the other, but still, it's like I'm trying to have a conversation. Where I'm like I need to say something to my wife, and then bam, 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 bam. here come the questions, and they don't stop. Uh, and I love that he's curious, and I love that he's got those questions, but. It's, it's wild mm-hmm. and then she was what uh, my wife's turned on some nature show this evening and it was about like earth at night and he totally got into it with the animals and all this stuff and it's the same thing he's just shooting like rapid fire questions at her and she's like I don't know I don't know he's like What's, what animal is that and she's like well I think that's what, what animal is that it's like I didn't get to tell you the one before that
3: Um. yeah the, so Yeah, that brings out the questions in my kids too. I mean unanswerable questions. How many muskrats do you think are in the world? I don't know. I I don't even know what number to give you there.
1: Or he'll mm-hmm. ask a question and then before you can really answer, he'll be like, Well, I think that it and it's like all right, well if you knew, why were you asking? And the same thing is true, and I I think it's something that's it's going to be particular to this generation of children, knowing that they have kind of the, you know, all the streaming service, right? Like nothing ends and there's always a little bit more and you're always home when you're watching it. Where if the three of us went to a theater, right? And we sat down for a movie. The three of us would not say a word for two hours. And then afterwards, we would start talking about it. Whereas this generation, even if you went into a theater, three minutes into the movie, you have questions.
3: Because they're mm-hmm. used
1: to being able to talk through whatever's on the TV. And that's going to be a dangerous generational rift. I'm just saying that now. It's
2: dangerous. It's going to be a dangerous rift?
1: Dangerous rift, yes.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: I mean, it might be an annoying... Like five... Oh, no. Like...
3: So Thanksgiving and set, 25 set, years at the Hoffman House is just going to be a mess. You know, okay. set
1: Republicans and Democrats aside, this will be the thing that shapes our future. Talkers and non-talkers during movie. Uh-huh. You yeah. go into a theater and you're like, oh no, I think there's a bunch of talkers in this one mm. who've just never mm-hmm. been told you can't talk during a movie.
2: So the second Civil War will be will be fought in the theaters
1: the third the third civil war we gotta have another one first
2: all right that's good to know i'm glad i'm glad you (laughs) i guess we're warned yeah it is interesting though because we were watching i had football on and we were watching it and my daughter came up to me and she's like daddy pause that so I can tell you something like I can't pause this like the whole idea that you can't pause live TV is so foreign to her like,
1: which, which like is, I can't which pause is funny this. you now I'm like wait to be-
2: a commercial and she's like what's a commercial I'm like would you, just wait like you can
1: you can um nowadays you can pause TV or you can pause the show yeah but you can't pause a video game because it's multiplayer Mm -hmm. Rewind 25 years. You can't pause TV, but you can always pause a video game. So even I've said that when I said my kid, "Hey, you got to pause that," they're like, "I can't." It's multiplayer. I'm like, you know, you're right. You can't pause that. You finish that, Mm -hmm. and then when you're done, we'll get to you get to
2: you get to a good point to stop. Not even a save point because it's all open world. (laughs) Just get back to your in.
3: Wow, I never thought about that. Yeah, my kids enjoy uh, commercials more than they do the football. Mm-hmm. Like, my, wa- my daughter was absolutely enthralled by a Verizon commercial. And all these families are on their phones and this mm-hmm. and that. And they're talking about the best service. And I said, why do you like that so much? I don't know. And <laughs> even more so, all three of my kids, because we eat super healthy and gluten-free and dairy-free and all that, if there is a burger king commercial that comes on they stop in their tracks <laughs> they stop and they stare at it the, they don't even know what they're doing but it's just so funny to watch cuz we don't watch a lot of tv and when yeah. we do it's sports so it's beer commercials sports commercials you know car commercials and Verizon yeah and it's it's so interesting to see it from the kids
2: well, it just shows you how effective advertising is. Yes. If they have, they don't even know what the product is, and they're entranced by the commercial. Yeah, they know so. what beef is. Let's
3: go to Burger King, Daddy. That beef yeah. is
2: written on our hearts, so they know what okay. that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it was National Cheeseburger Day on Friday, so.
3: I I want you both to know that. I, uh, your banter made my wife laugh out loud um, just to, to, to kind of set it up and I don't know what the exact wording was but Jake's uh, historical lesson of the day was it today's today's cheeseburger day mm-hmm. and Eric hits him with a what about all the vegans and vegetarians? Are you just going to pretend like they don't exist? I'm literally shaking right now. <laughs> and Jake <laughs> responds with a yeah, protein will take care of that. <laughs> so shaking from a
2: protein deficiency.
3: Yeah, there you go. Yep. that was that was gold.
2: Yep. Yeah. No, I want a cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't care how late it is. Listen, I gotta right.
1: you guys. There's a cheeseburger.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Burger King. I mean, Blurger Bling. There, Actually, we're good.
1: I feel like. Now I haven't had too many Burger King burgers. I've they're probably good. had a lot more McDonald's burgers and a lot more Jack in the Box burgers over the over the years. But Burger King burgers I think are one of the tastiest. Like when everything's dry. The yeah,
2: they're really good. They've got a flame lot bro- of good under, stuff flame there. broiled whopper, right?
1: Yeah, it's and it's it's good. I mean, nothing beats Culver's. That's right. I don't have one out here. We do now have a Dutch Brothers here in Bakersfield.
2: Well, That's until we they do. start serving butter burgers, I don't know how that helps you.
1: Well, it helps my wife. So they opened up <laughs> okay. a couple weeks ago, and we went there Saturday morning. They're on the other side of town, so it took us about 20 minutes to get there. Then we are in line for like 25 minutes because it was easily 80 cars long. Like winding through a mall's parking lot. But they had 30
2: people working. It was great. I'm no doctor, but I always thought the purpose of coffee was to be quick and easy to attain, not something you had to go on a small adventure for each morning. You know, the funny thing is it was great. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome.
3: The kids loved it. Eric's wife posts about four times a year on Facebook,
1: and it's all Dutch Brothers.
3: Yeah, three three of those four are about Dutch Brothers.
1: ones an obligatory Christmas
2: picture. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Here's my husband once a year. Here's Dutch Brothers. Four times a year I get to have it. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, it was funny because she posted that on Facebook and everybody's like, congratulations. (laughs) And that that was what they were saying. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you like
2: it's like a it's like a pregnancy announcement yeah, or a, yeah. somebody just got engaged oh no i gosh. went to dutch brothers <laughs>
1: well good, for, good you. for you you finally made it glory but of course they put it on the wrong side not the wrong side sorry the other side whoa. of town
3: whoa
1: um so we're hoping it's a big so you, i'm sorry you there. have to drive
2: 20 minutes to get there wait 20 minutes to get the coffee and then drive 20 minutes back.
1: Yeah, but 20 minutes back is great because you're
2: drinking the coffee. Oh, yeah, because you're all hopped up on coffee. Yeah, no, I get that. Oh,
1: and it was great. On the way back, we were uh, turning left off the freeway and there was a Trump parade that cut in front of us. Not cut in front of us. I mean, that
2: sounds like a perfect Saturday.
1: The thing is, and not that not that Trump supporters are known as particularly like oil conscious or gas conscious, but all those flags really take a toll on their their gas mileage. It has to. When you've got three flags... The wind drag? Yeah, I mean, it's just... So it's kind of interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. He was in town Oh, two Fridays ago. He flew into Arizona and did some rally at the Arizona Grand, and uh, which happened to be right in the middle of me driving to my daughter's school to pick up her work homework packet for that week, and so they all were standing on the sides of the street waving their flags and having a good old time waiting for Trump that wasn't to just touch for you. Down. I don't know that there weren't any Jake flags. Oh. There's no. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, no Jake oh. from State Farm flags.
3: Word must be getting out in in my neighborhood that you know everybody's voting for Trump because I overheard overheard our uh, mm. kids at the park talking about yeah I'm voting for Trump <laughs> yeah you're voting for Biden voter oh, fraud exactly and um, first of all they're not voting but
1: well we'll see if they might get a ballot
3: it it just took me a yeah true that's a whole nother subject but. it it took me back to the day where I would have those same discussions, having no idea who the candidates were just pause.
2: I guess he's leaving. No, you keep going. Forget him. Yeah.
3: So I I remember what that felt like having no idea who the candidates were or just whoever my parents were voting for. I was just staunchly that guy's Mm -hmm. biggest fan on the playground. Yeah, me too. And so we were talking about this in the car, and my youngest daughter, who's three, said, I'm voting for car. And we're all looking at each other like, what? And she must have thought that Trump was the same as truck. I'm voting we're for voting car. For truck. She's voting for car. Car
2: 2020 <laughs> wins in a landslide. Yeah. I love it. That was
3: pretty cute. That's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was a kid and First started remembering or caring about politics, and I would just see what my mom or dad, who they liked, and then I would just parrot that at school. And you're right, and then you go to school, and then you vote for. You have a fake election on election day, and like you say, all right, well the school voted for Bill Clinton, you know, in yeah. '92. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember that. It was a. It was a different it was just a different time. It was like the first time you're trying to care about things that aren't food and video games. And all you yeah. do is copy what mom and dad tell you to, to vote for.
3: Yeah. And the, the political, that's, that's another reason why it's cool to watch TV every once in a while. Cause that again, brings me back to the day of the political commercials mm-hmm. and you know, when the big bad, incumbent president is on they have it in black and white and he's frowning and this kind of thing and then the the challenger is smiling and color and and an eagle
2: flies across the ski right yeah
3: and he's walking his golden retriever Mm -hmm. and everything's beautiful
2: yeah yeah those uh commercials are pretty ridiculous which is one thing i really like about hulu and netflix is that i don't have to watch commercials And granted, they'll still get you. I mean, if you're ever on the internet or try to watch anything on YouTube, they're all over the place. But it's nice to be able to watch a TV show without having to watch a dozen political ads over the next two months because it's it's election season. Although I will say it's interesting, and maybe your neighborhood's different, but I have not seen a single Biden or Trump yard sign... At all. In my neighborhood or on the way to work. I see a lot of local election signs like on the street corners, but no Biden or Trump yard signs at all. So I don't know. I just it's something that I I guess I've just curious about.
3: I've seen Biden bumper stickers here and there, but the neighborhood in which I live is pretty conservative. Um, Mm -hmm. almost exclusively conservative and sure yeah i mean it's it's trump everywhere like in fact there was a a kid in the neighborhood who knocked on our front door just yesterday i think wanting my kids to go outside and ride bikes And, and what did he say he said if they don't have a trump uh sign in their yard we should talk to them and into getting a Trump sign in the yard. <laughs> wow! No, <laughs> no, we're not doing
2: that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just, I see a lot of Trump bumper stickers and stuff like that, and I see Biden bumper stickers. But I just don't see the yard signs. So, I don't hmm. know if it's a changing of the time or if I'm just in the wrong part of town. But I don't, and I'm not. I'm okay with it. I, I actually like not seeing a bunch of yard signs in my neighborhood but it's just something i've noticed is unique yeah but who knows
3: yeah it's uh i don't know i mean it's with all the division and craziness and that kind of thing maybe i'm totally off but it's a possibility that people don't want to have a political affiliation in front of their house because you know maybe somebody will. Threaten them or, or whatever. Oh, I'm and sure. A
2: shot, I'm a hundred percent sure that's a big part of it. Is yeah. if you throw a Biden sign up in a Trump neighborhood or vice versa, yeah. You know, at a minimum, you can be afraid that well, it's going to get torn down, and mm-hmm. hopefully, it would end at that. But I know sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the the climate's way too political. Too partisan, I guess, is a better word for it.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but, you know, this whole uh, Supreme Court issue, mm-hmm. we act as if it didn't happen four years ago. We act as if this is a whole brand new concept that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, hurry up and get the vote done before he possibly gets voted out of office. And yeah. we're really just redoing it from four, four years ago. People have such short memories.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's weird. It's like, it's just this weird progression from, I guess, with Supreme Court justices. Because going back again to my political beginning, it was in the 2000 election with George Bush and Al Gore. You know, and George Bush nominated John Roberts when Rehnquist was about to retire. And Rehnquist died, but Roberts was still the pick. And... um. You know, and they deliberated, but I think Roberts was still nominated with like a a large majority in the Senate, or he was confirmed, I should say. And then same thing with Samuel Alito, um, in Bush's second term. And even with like Elena Kagan and Sotomayor, the it wasn't as many votes, but they still got more than fifty. Like it wasn't like a razor thin margin. But it really wasn't until This Kavanaugh vote, I think that it's just like everything, like it had been getting narrower and narrower and narrower for a while. And then Kavanaugh vote with the allegations with Christy Blasey Ford and kind of his meltdown in his confirmation hearings, um, everything just kind of went hyper-political. And to be fair, the way McConnell didn't give Obama's nominee a, a hearing, even. Hold on. You, you just know, that, moved
1: into this without
2: me? You've been gone for wow. 10 minutes. Why wow. How did you mean just...
1: You just slipped right into that. Man, that's... Are that's you literally like shaking? Something... Are you shaking? Go Are eat Are literally shaking? That's not yeah. like something that Democrats <laughs> or Republicans would do.
2: Is continue while you skip out on your job?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So I guess the you question I was going to ask, which is what, uh, you know, like... Hey, should we just cut and cut, but No, I guess. I mean you can cut
2: with... what Cameron and I talked about, but I think it was gold, frankly. Well so, so I missed
1: Alright.
2: It's fine. fine, it's fine. You no, left unannounced. I don't know what to I tell you. Held up a finger and said, Hold on. <laughs> okay.
1: But... No. So everything stops. <laughs> it did for Jake last week. Alright, that's fine. So what are we talking about? Guys? But no, because I kept
2: playing my recording to keep going, so it wasn't like I wasn't even gone. Last week.
1: Yeah, but it was... what you had already... Never
2: mind. I know. know, I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) So, we're talking about... Supreme Court. Supreme Court, huh? Yeah, we were (laughs) just talking
2: about, in general, how... Since my memory with with George Bush and his nominees, kind of how the confirmations have gotten narrower and narrower and narrower. And now, Kavanaugh's was, was the most narrow, I think, in my memory. I don't know if ever, but where it was essentially truly just a party-line vote to to confirm him and how everything's gotten so partisan. And you can kind of go back to Harry Reid, where he got rid of the the 60-vote threshold for judicial appointments. Um, and then the way Mitch McConnell didn't give Merrick Garland a hearing, which obviously incensed the Democrats, and so none of them voted for Calvin. And then obviously the allegations with Christie Blasey Ford and, and kind of his... I guess I would call it a meltdown, but his contentious rebuttal in the confirmation hearings.
1: Yeah, I feel like if if that was an accusation being thrown at me, and it was in, at least you know, and I and I felt like it was completely unfounded. Maybe it is unfounded, but I don't know. In that case, in his case, I'd be pretty incensed too. I mean. Mm -hmm. but that's just kind of how those things go and I'm assuming it will continue to go that way Um, that's
2: what Cameron was saying
1: unfortunately it's going that way and and where we look at these justices is these shouldn't be partisan situations Um, you know I think the two topics on the table with Supreme Court justices is Uh, The the abortion question and the Second Amendment. And those two things um, are kind of the... They're the thing that that has push buttons on both sides. So they're the things that if you get the wrong justice, well, we're not going to have the Second Amendment in 10 years. Or if you get the wrong justice, then... Um, abortion will be made, you know, illegal for everyone and and women will be thrown into prison for wanting to exercise, you know, uh, whatever, whatever right over reproduction you have, that would be, that's kind of the the rhetoric going around with those.
2: Yeah. And I, I think before we get into that, what's the situation that we're in right now with the Supreme Court now that Ginsburg has passed away? Essentially, where do we stand with... Well, we have
1: eight justices. What?
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's
1: an issue, right? Because we need to have a number that can... That has to be go... Tie. That can't be tied. Yeah. Um, and while there's a mourning period, sure. Um, <clears> the <throat> situation is different than it was four years ago in that... Uh, McConnell four years ago with a majority in the Senate was like, "Well, we're not going to confirm your your guy." That's um, just well, it wasn't just
2: that he said we aren't even going to give him a hearing. Right, we're not and even so, going to meet with him.
1: Right, because in, in that case he said, "Listen, we we have this majority. We're not going to bother with it." Now you go four years later to where we are now. People are saying, "Well, it's the same situation, but it's not because the president and the Senate are of the same party, and so." You know, it's it's not like Obama. It's not like four years ago. Obama was like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's an election year. I'm not going to put somebody up." He did. Um, it, it is a little bit different, but again, it's both sides have completely changed their positions on where they were four years ago, and
2: here's where we are. Well, and, and, then, and then I we think have that's all these the threats
1: going forward. Well, we'll just pack the court. Like, well, I'm sure that's going to end well for everyone.
2: Well, let's get into that because that's like what I want to go through first is where are we and what could happen and where we are is we need to get a nominee. So Trump's going to, he's going to nominate somebody, which is his constitutional duty. The uh, issue is, is that because McConnell said four years ago, well, we can't nominate, we can't hear, we should let the people vote, let the people say Mm -hmm. who have a say in who should be the justice when the election is, so let's wait until the election before we see anybody get nominated, and that's what he did with Merrick Garland. Yeah, and yes, it was technically an election year, but Scalia had died like in February or March of that. It wasn't like it wasn't two months before the election. It was plenty of time. So that, so McConnell sat on Merrick Garland's nomination for three hundred days until after the election, and then Trump got inaugurated. So it wasn't I, I I don't like like I don't like the point that you, you kind of made it like, well, we can't have just eight justices. It's like, well, we did it right. for almost yeah. a full and, year.
1: And, and that was a problem then, too. You know, it's it's the other difference is is this. Obama was already at that point, technically a lame duck president right now. We don't know if Trump is a lame duck president or not. And so, again, that's a that's a small, very nuanced difference. Um, but it does kind of change. Again, it, it's hard to equate these things. What we can equate is what people said to specific um, circumstances, such as, it's an election year. We should, should let the people decide. Like, you're changing your game now. Um, saying you want the filibuster now when six years ago you threw it out right Mm -hmm. like you're changing your game and so technicalities are one thing but but the the rhetoric the talk what people are saying is something different and that's where all the hypocrisy really is um because we can we can find well technically you weren't you weren't a hypocrite in that circumstance, but you are because it's all in the spirit of what you want. Um, yeah. Whenever you
3: have to use the word technically yeah. to explain how much integrity you have, yeah,
1: that's a yeah. pretty slippery Yeah, slump. because here's, here's the, uh, here's what it comes down to. If we just look at this right now. Trump's duty is to nominate somebody to the Supreme court. The Senate's duty is to confirm or reject them. Like, and they don't even have to give hearings. I, tech, I mean, they don't have to. They could just say, we're just going to put it to a vote. Um, but that, that's what, that would be constitutionally correct to do at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: fact that four years ago, McConnell said, we're not going to hear, we're, we should leave this up to the people. Uh, that shouldn't have been the case. You had a Senate. And that's the thing, is that, again, we can go back to some constitutional issues. The Senate, in my opinion, should not be elected by popular vote in the states. It should be elected by the legislatures. Senators should be representing the states, not the people. The people have representatives. Um, and the people should not be represented in the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court represents the Constitution. So... That's where McConnell, while he's, again, technically correct in saying, let's let the people decide who the president should be, who's going to nominate this person, and also who the Senate's going to be, who is going to vote on it. Um, In both those cases, again, we're a Republican, not a a democracy. And so um, it's not up to the people to decide who our justices are. So he was wrong four years ago although no Republican would have said so. And, uh, and now he's a hypocrite because he's going back on what he said previously. Even though technically it's a little bit different than it was, right?
2: Well, I think and it's I a think, lot. Uh, Go ahead, Cameron.
3: I, I think the just the nature of the beast when you're talking about not only electing a person, but electing a person's philosophies and electing a person's, you know, probably more so than voting on a president you know, that president is selecting a person that I think they might rule favorably in this way. And and really, you shouldn't be thinking about that. You should be, how well do they know the law? How uh, closely knit to the Constitution are they? But it's, it's a different beast when you're nominating and confirming a Supreme Court justice as opposed to you know, a president or, or or whatever. It's just a it's a nuanced thing that makes it even more unpredictable than voting for a person. If and that makes sense, it does. Yeah, because
2: you
0: I,
1: don't, I think, you don't know what cases they're going to hear twenty five years from now, right?
2: Um, well, and that's the thing is there's a well, there's a couple things. One is the, I, the reason we're so upset about McConnell's hypocrisy, and you could say the Democrats' hypocrisy when Reid blew up the filibuster. But that's only because everything is partisan now. Like in nineteen forty-five, uh, Truman nominated a guy named Harold Burton to the Supreme Court. Burton was a Republican senator currently serving at that time. And Truman obviously was a Democrat president. And he nominated Burton kind of as a as a favor or a a thank you to the Republicans for I guess supporting him. Um and Burton was confirmed in less than one day after you, that nomination. When, when in nineteen forty five? Uh September, right after the war ended. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I mean our partisanship was us and the Nazis, right? So
2: but, like Well, but there's others but there's been yeah. other confirmations that have oh, been zero I'm days. Sure. I'm sure. And and most of those a lot of well not a lot of those, but uh, this one was a unanimous assent in the Senate. They didn't have any hearings. They are just like, yeah, no, Harold's good. He can be a justice. Who, and then they moved on. But now was, uh, everything's political. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, and it's it's political for, you know, we have a couple issues that's a, that, that are things that go to the Supreme Court pretty frequently. And those are very politically charged, right? Like, And it's always life mm-hmm. or death, right? If uh, the Second Amendment is not upheld, somebody will come into my house and shoot me and kill me because I won't be able to defend myself. Or, um, you know, if I don't have the right to reproductive rights, whatever exactly those are defined as, uh, I will literally die in an emergency room because of a botched abortion. Right? This will literally happen to everybody. They will die at the hands of the law uh, or bad laws. Well,
2: and I think that's part of the problem is that any law that, a party or group doesn't like they immediately try to get it sent to the Supreme Court and they use that as a de facto arm of the legislative branch right. which and, is and i mean you, you see this kind intent.
1: of hyperbole um, on twitter obviously like people saying you know if you try to fill her seat again it's it's the united states seat not hers but if you try to fill that seat we will literally burn everything to the it's like well okay so you're breaking the law by doing that but We have this, you know, again, we have these kind of extremes. But at the same time, like these are people that should be just interpreting the law as it's written and not using it to strike down laws we don't like. And the only reason you would say somebody on the Supreme Court is somebody I don't want is because they're going to get in the way of you trashing the Constitution, right? Like, and and that's on both parties. I, I want somebody on the court who's going to allow me to trash the Constitution in my own, you know, prescribed way.
3: Yeah, and if you doubt that whether or not this has gotten too political or not, look no further than the statement of, oh, her dying wish was to wait until we get a new Present or wait until after the election like come on Mm -hmm. that's it's just a a ridiculous ridiculous thing to say um that just that made me so sad when i heard that yeah because yeah it's it's you you said it perfectly eric it's 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 looked at by the politicians as, oh, this is our seat, or this is their seat, as opposed to, no, they're interpreting the Constitution. That's what they're saying. Yeah, supposed and it seems do.
1: like both of Trump's nominees, who, Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, have not really, they haven't ruled, like, strictly conservatively. They've ruled, like, very moderately and kind of middle of the road. Um, so I have two ideas. Here's what I want Trump to do. Okay. Number one, I'd love to see Trump nominate Joe Biden. It's like I'm going to nominate Joe Biden. Go for it, man. You're the guy, and just see what happens next. Like that would just be fun to watch, (laughs) right? That would be good entertainment. Get Joe Biden all like caught up in doing hearings that he can't go to debates. He can't be on. Well, he can
2: just. He can just decline. Yeah, he could. He doesn't have to accept the nomination.
1: No. No, because he does in my mind. Otherwise, this is a lot less interesting, right? The other one is that Trump just nominates himself. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be the Supreme Court justice. So if if you you, uh, confirm me, I won't be president. So there's a surefire way you can get me to not be president. But if Mm -hmm. you don't confirm me, there's a chance that I will be president for four years
0: mm-hmm.
1: I just I want to see one of these conundrums come up that makes everyone you know, Eric, have to turn on their head and just be like well if we're going to be consistent we're going to have to go against like what we wanted okay. to do just to be consistent or we have to be inconsistent and hypocrites again that's all I really want this to see. Is,
3: this is why you would make a better president. NBA commissioner than president <laughs> You know,
1: oh, oh, yeah, I, I, we changed the plan. I, I, like yeah. I like the
3: harebrained ideas. I like to create. You know, keeping everybody on their toes, but rooting for chaos in American politics. I mean, first of all, we already have that, but that you really know how to.
1: These are these up. are called controlled demolitions, is what they are, <laughs> right? Just make everyone everyone's brains implode at the thought of he just nominated himself, and now we can confirm him and make sure he's not president again or not confirm him and have that possibility still in the air. Like, I just think that's... And it would be perfect for our current
2: situation,
3: right? Perfect.
2: I mean, if it got him out of office, I would vote for him. I I feel like we're in a philosophy
3: class and, you know, I'm being asked if I would... Steal a loaf of bread to feed my family right now.
2: Yeah. Okay. So aside from, I guess Eric's <laughs> lateral thinking solutions. Um, what do you think's going to happen?
1: I think he'll nominate somebody this coming week. Um, I think, you know, he said, and I don't know if you saw that quote. He's he thinking of nominating a woman, and he did this. And I don't think he meant to make the curvy sign with his hands, but he did. Uh, might just be one of those kind of mannerisms you have that's built in, and you don't, you can't control it. That every time he says "woman," he he does this. Um, Weird. <laughs> Weird I, that he would have that particular I think, mannerism. I think I think he'll he'll nominate somebody again. I, I'm not exactly sure who. Um, and I think he nominates somebody this next week. When it comes to the hearings, um, <clears throat> you know, I think what uh, Mitch McConnell could do is he could just take it straight to the floor. Uh, there's no reason. It, I mean, you can take it to the Judiciary Committee, but all they're going to do is give a recommendation. He'll still bring it to the floor. Um, and I mean, they can very likely get that vote. The issue is going to be can they get that vote from senators who might feel like they're risking their seats to confirm? What would be well, right now,
2: Murkowski and Collins have both gone on record saying they will not vote to confirm before the election. That doesn't mean anything about inauguration, but before the election, right?
1: And I think that's that's another one like, that's another tricky thing. What about after the election? Because if a bunch of senators lose their seats, Republican senators, and they're just like, well, I lost my seat, so nobody's going to vote me out now. I'm already out. Or if Mm -hmm. I won my seat, I got six more years. People will forget about this. Um, You know, you can vote to confirm. What What I think, and I could be, what I think would be wise for Trump to do is to nominate somebody who is... Very not moderate, but not not overly like uh, like observantly conservative. Um, if he nominated somebody that could grab a couple of moderates, maybe in the in the Senate chamber, maybe it, it's a little bit smoother process. Maybe it's somebody who's just kind of benign. Um, <laughs> But again, that kind of defeats the purpose of you've got this opportunity and you want to put a conservative justice in there. You got this one shot, and it's a very short-term shot to take. But
2: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because I think the way it's going to shake out is he's going to nominate somebody. I, th- I, I don't know. Right now, if four Republicans – in a sense, defect and say they won't vote to confirm before the election. Um, then he can't get it in because you know, the Democrats aren't going to break ranks on this. Um, so right now it's Murkowski and, and, uh, Collins. Yeah. Romney, there's a good chance Romney will break from the president and possibly Chuck Grassley, supposedly Lindsey Graham, but I don't buy that. I think Lindsey Graham has made his bed. Um, but so let's say, assuming he gets this person in, mm-hmm. then that gives the court a 6-3 conservative majority. However, Roberts is essentially a swing vote. hes I, I know he was dominated and confirmed in the Bush administration, but he's not. I mean, a lot of the 5-4 votes that have gone against Republicans um, are because of Roberts. Um, he was the deciding vote on the gay marriage um, he was deciding to vote on the Affordable Care Act. And um, just in this past year, he kind of steered the court to rebuke Trump on Trump's claim of unlimited authority sort of thing. And um, so Roberts is more center-right than he is right. Um, Gorsuch, I think, is more of a, a libertarian. He often um, sides with Sotomayor on dissents or on um on a uh, majority decisions. Um, but then even if he gets this six, three majority, but he loses the election, Thomas, Clarence Thomas is 72. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Clarence Thomas is going to be around another four years, be it. He retires or passes away. Um, but same thing with Stephen Breyer. He's 82. Um, so I think if Biden wins, Breyer is going to retire. The, possibly the day after the inauguration sort of thing. Um, So even if it's 6-3, I don't think it's going to be 6-3 for very long, especially if Biden wins the election. Um, You know, I know some other people posited packing the court, which means um, increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court, but I think that's a politically untenable solution even if the Democrats win the Senate and Biden wins the presidency.
1: So here's a thought. And, and again, we can, you know, if Biden wins the presidency, um, that the elections are on November 3rd, right? So we have two months until the new Senate, the new Congress, and let the new House of Representatives, let's say the Senate swings over to the Democrats. So it's still two months, right? Mm-hmm. Is it possible that Mitch McConnell within those two months could reinstate the filibuster so that in the future, so let's say Trump can't get somebody uh, confirmed, but then the election is held and Republicans maybe realizing they've lost a presidency, maybe lost the Senate. Can they reinstate the filibuster?
2: Sure. But if they lose the, the future? Senate then, and then, but no, because Chuck Schumer could just change the rules again when he takes over.
1: Just change the
2: rules, just like that. Yeah, I mean, they're Senate rules. They're not law. So Chuck Schumer is the majority leader, can just change the rules with the simple majority. Hmm. So.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess he could, but I, I think it would be pretty easy to just switch it back because that's what well. Harry Reid did. <clears throat> so. I, I, I don't know, I think I think there's some hyperbole, like you said on both sides with the Second Amendment and on um, reproductive rights. And I think both sides use that to scare everyone into voting. Um, I do think, and as some I, I texted with you, Eric and, and Cameron, I do think the death of Ginsburg will motivate the progressive wing in a way that Biden can't do because I think Ginsburg is universally liked by the Democrats from moderate to progressives, whereas Biden is more of a center left guy and the progressives don't really like him. Um, But I think the losing ginsburg would motivate them in a way well and i think they made like 70 million dollars in one day after her news of her passing yeah Um,
1: it it changes it changes some of the dynamics of of what the election is about Uh, again mm -hmm. if trump can get a nominee confirmed that's not what the election's about anymore um and then it becomes kind of about you know there'll be some reprisal i'm sure um Mm -hmm. political reprisal but I, the the thing that I guess irritates me is that it's thrown us into this crisis now where everything has become, again, about a single issue. When I think um, outside of Trump's personality and Biden's lack of, lack of, I don't know, it's hard to say, but lack of personality, I guess, would be as, as close as I can get to without making claims that I can't back up. Um, is that outside of those things, this really becomes about policies, right? Like Trump's personality is what it is. But when you look at the policies, you at least have something you can point to and say, here are policies that I agree with. Here are things that Biden has voted on. And it kind of becomes about those things. Of course, we're not going to see too much of that in the debates. And especially now, it's all about Supreme Court. And that's very unfortunate because then we can't talk issues. Which I, again, I don't know if we would have been able to talk issues much, anyways, but.
3: Yeah, and and just it it goes back to this whole conversation, the start of this whole conversation is, you know, things are getting so politicized that here we are going through a college bowl game type scenario. If this happens, and then this happens, and this happens, here's how the Democrats are going to play chess, and then. If not, then the Republicans are going to do this, but they've got to think about two steps. It's it's ridiculous to me that, and you know I'm I'm kind of an idealist with this kind of thing, Um, but it's it's disappointing to see that our supposed quote unquote leaders are behaving this way. Um, But at the same, you you've got to play the politics game. To a certain extent, too. So, it's it's just a super complicated conversation, and and it's amazing how much we can talk about this. You know, it's an hour and a half long podcast on what exactly is each side going to do, and it's just it's sad going into the election in the state of the country.
2: Yeah, I I agree, Cameron. I I think it is. I mean, it's just another sign of the times we live in where it wasn't that long ago where the federal government was able to do the business of the country, regardless of party. And, you know, they were able to pass budgets without having the government having to shut down. They were able to confirm justices without every justice being a fight. um, Right. And vet the men and women um, in the judicial system based on their qualifications and not necessarily if they were a Republican or Democrat. Um, but this is the, the world we live in um, at least for now. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think with that, it, I think it's going to, it's going to continue <laughs> at least for a while until some sort of, um, we hit some sort of fever point and and it breaks And we get back to, I guess, whatever you would define as normal uh, government function um, as it used to be, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a big issue in our country simply about how we educate people about how this whole thing works. Um, You know, being civics-minded, being uh, understanding how the national system works and it's a pretty simple system. You know, when once you break it down into its pieces, and you're like, here's what the pieces do, it's pretty simple. And the more we pushed out to um again the hyperbole and kind of the extremist talk, the more that People have demanded direct action on every little thing. And again, you you have mobs of people demanding things. You even have some representatives making demands of this government to provide things for people. And anytime you get 51% of the people to say, we want this, you can have it. But that's... That's not what we have, we have a republic. And that's where it's like, there's this separation of powers between the different branches and and groups, but there's also separation of powers from the government and the mob. So that the mob cannot attain and maintain control. And we're getting to a point where I think most people don't understand our system actually works or is meant to work that it's not meant to work um just when people get loud enough like that's how that's how pta meetings happen that's how those work you know the loudest mom gets what she wants or dad or dad um you know the the, the loudest voice on twitter gets the attention that's not how our system is supposed to work and again, we know it's broken because we know who's in the Oval Office. It wasn't supposed to be the loudest voice. It was supposed to be the, the, the most calm and conscientious voice. And uh, But that's we've gone off the rails. And now okay. if we actually confirm somebody that Trump appoints, we have people, again, these are the same people that say they'll move to Canada if Trump got elected and they're still here, saying they're going to burn the whole thing down. It's like, what's the whole thing? And I mean, you're you're, I mean, you're, you're calling for calling for violence over violence over over what the president is constitutionally supposed to do. Like we've we've gone off the rails, and it's because, in my opinion, we have too many people having a voice. And there are too many people who don't
2: understand how it works. And they're being the loudest. Okay, so what's the solution? Because you've brought this up a few times now. I don't have a solution. The republic versus democracy. Okay. Here's here's my
1: solution. (laughs) We have to repeal the 17th Amendment. The Senate should not be represented. It's that Senate is elected by popular vote in the states. Yeah. And, And I understand... The reason that was brought in is that there were some deadlocks in in legislatures, and that there was some corruption, and that you know instead of convincing a whole state's worth of population, you just have to like get like fifty-seven state legislatures on your le- legislators on your side. The issue is that senators should be representing the states, not the people, right? The people have their representatives; they're called representatives. The Senate is a different type of group, and when these things were set up, it was set up so that you do have these kind of competing sets of ideas, right? The Senate should be a little bit more aloof of the common man because the common man tends to be pretty stupid, right? Most people are not that well versed in how government works or how, how large complex systems work. And so that's, the Senate deals with some of the more bigger picture things And the representatives have their, you know, however many tens of thousands of people that they represent and the senators are, are hold more to their state legislators. But, and again, there's, there's issues with all that. None of this is perfect, but, um, now you have senators who all they do is they just grandstand to their, their constituents, but there's already representatives who have to do that. So it's, it's redundant is what I'm saying.
2: Except that senators are elected by the entire state, where the House is elected by,
1: uh, by districts. It's broken right. into districts.
2: Yeah, so I don't see how changing it back to having legislatures pick your senators is somehow more representative of the state than it is just it's just have a, the people of a state vote.
1: Because it's, it, having the people of the state vote is having the people make the decision, rather than the actual agents within the state. Like the actual state government sending senators to represent the state government rather than the state's people. Is that that's where the difference is?
2: Sure, but I and here's and it's an aside. But my uncle brought this up when I was visiting him in Wisconsin. He goes in the most recent election. Uh, he think he said fifty six of the people voted for state and local offices voted Democrat. And yet the Republicans, with the way they've manipulated the districts, control both chambers of the state legislature. So if the people representing the state aren't actually representing the people of the state, how can you trust them to pick senators that would represent the yeah, state? I,
1: the, the districting is, is another issue entirely because of having people make districts is a problem, too. And, and we okay. we've solved that problem but nobody's gonna adopt it because it takes power away from people it's it's algorithmic pick a geographical or political center of your state drop the dot there and and the algorithm breaks the state up into districts by population equally distributed and as and without like all the weird little cutout sections and um, nonsensical districts that are that are chopped up just to get, just to lock in a vote, right? Um, the point being just, we have this idea that if you're loud enough, you can get what you want. And at some point people need to understand, no, if you're articulate and you're conscientious and you are thoughtful enough, you can actually make an argument and you can lay things out in a way that'll help people see this is a better way forward. But it's really hard to do that when the other guy is yelling, right? So that's my thought on the
2: Senate. I don't I don't know. You, you
3: got me convinced, Eric. Well, I well said. Okay.
2: I don't I don't think one it's not going to happen. No, it won't. We're not going to repeal the seventeenth amendment. So I think it's kind of a a non starter okay. as can far as repeal, a solution.
1: Can we repeal the sixteenth Amendment.
2: Continue? What's that one? How to repealing. And
1: collect all- taxes on incomes from whatever source okay. derived. Just saying. Just throwing some ideas out there. See what sticks with you.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so anyway aside from your more on the income tax, um, I don't think repealing the 17th is going to actually fix anything, even if it was feasible. Because I think we don't live in that world anymore where people want to be removed from the decision-making. It's a lot easier to say, we'll take care of the Senate. You guys voted for us as state representatives. When... The quickest source of mail came on a train like that was how you got your information from washington
1: i I agree with you on that it's not going to happen and it's also where things have changed um you know people having a voice that can be heard almost instantaneously uh makes some of those things seem obsolete the issue Mm -hmm. is you know do we Because, again, then we go to the Electoral College. Well, that wants to people want to abolish that because, you know, you don't have to win the popular vote. What you do have to win is you do have to win people from all over the country. And that's where, again, well, how important are the however many million people in Iowa compared to the 50 million in California? Which one matters more? Obviously, California, because it has 53 electoral votes, right? So we get into this kind of idea. People want democracy rather than a republic. But what they don't understand is that a democracy, once you get 51%, pretty much anything can happen. And that gets to be a bit more dangerous because now you're talking of the mob. You're talking about just whatever 51% wants, they can take it well,
2: theoretically theoretically, except we we haven't had and here's where I, I guess i I push back is in the past sixty or seventy years the cha- the times that the federal government has fallen under unified party rule, so Democrat has control of all three chambers, mm-hmm. the house Senate, and the presidency um or vice versa is very rare and it doesn't usually last very long we've always we kind of had a divided government since like the 1940s so i i I guess i don't see this fear that all you need is 50 plus one and the mob will take over because it has to go through the house of representatives and those those Representatives have different motives than senators, and then has to get through the Senate, and then has to go through the presidency, and even then, it ha- it can be challenged and sent to the Supreme Court, which isn't elected at all. Right. Um, so right. I, well,
1: I, it's not elected, but again, we've that's what we spent a lot of tonight talking about is that we're treating it almost like it's elected because we treat it in a partisan way now, whereas you know we talked about in the 1940s and 50s, 30s,
3: mm-hmm. it
1: was like here's this guy think he's going to be good. Everyone's like, you know what? You're right. Sounds like a good guy. And now it's, well, this guy leans a bit, right. So we have to destroy his entire life leading up to now to find something, a reason to vote against him or we have to find, you know, he's on the other side. So we have to destroy everything about him uh, before we can confirm it. And you know, I mean, I think once you're on the Supreme court, a lot of that changes. Um, I guess my biggest beef is just that people don't understand how the whole system works. And that's, that's something that needs to be addressed.
2: Well, I agree with that. I mean, I I do think there is a, an ignorance in some of the systems and I would include myself in that, um, that I don't understand a lot of the, the nuance and intricacy of how the system works, but I don't think, just repealing amendments and going back to 1900 is going to somehow make it better. In fact, I think it would make it worse.
1: 1900 was a great year.
2: Yeah. I think. Yeah, it was turn-of-the-century party. <laughs> <laughs> what do you so, think, I don't know. Cameron? That's...
3: You know, I, I feel pretty guilty uh, about that, too, as far as um, the knowledge. I I feel like, as I I consider myself the regular guy on the show who's not necessarily the history or political buff, um, but yeah, I, I would absolutely agree that there needs to be a better understanding of these principles, first and foremost, and that's I feel like we talk about education and teaching and all of that so, so much as a bunch of teachers, but um, it just reiterates the importance of educating the mob so that that mob mentality doesn't reign. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in, um, in, in minimizing that because people are sinful and people make bad decisions all the time. So what can we do to... <clears throat> make it as, as balanced as we can and and that's why it's it's lasted so long is because there's checks and balances
1: well number one i want to applaud you for making sure you reference that jake and i are basically elitists compared to you's that's what i got out of it uh were the the elites is that what you meant by that educated elites
3: yeah I, okay i'm, I'm <laughs> uh, taking I'm, um, I'm just a man of the people you know, I'm just a man just of the Just doing what you there. can. Yeah. Yeah, you're the every man. Just hardworking, tax paying citizen. Yeah. Okay. Me.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, so when you Salt get like, the president, Jake and I are your cabinet members working in the shadows.
3: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, now you're speaking my language.
1: You can, Jake, mate, Jake will be uh, Secretary of the Interior, so he can go live in that cabin of his. change a secretary of defense to secretary
2: of war and put me in charge secretary (laughs) of offense
3: (laughs) basically like an offensive coordinator right yeah you know
2: totally (laughs) air raid
3: uh, who's
1: gonna be your secretary of defense he's now my oc
2: yep and
1: uh be in charge of that
2: i like it Yeah, I mean, if you want to give me a cushy job, that's fine by me. I'll take it.
1: Yeah, go make some go make some national parks, which Jake, on it. (laughs) I will. (laughs) All of Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, and it's prohibited to anyone from Illinois. (laughs) There's no park pass that you can get to come in. I would do it. (laughs) Build the wall, separate Illinois.
1: You know, we talked a lot about it tonight. You know, your birthday on the 16th, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing on the 18th, but we didn't mention the 17th, Constitution Day. Constitution, Constitution Day. Day. How wonderful.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, all three are momentous days in history. My momentous. birth, the Constitution, and the passing of Ruth Bader.
1: And yours Ginsburg. happened first. Before yeah. all the others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I. <laughs> How many other nations have a document and have a government a system of government lasted this long? I mean the British kind of um, But I think it's us, you know, we have this thing. It's very precious And it's very fragile as well um, And it's lasted a heck of a long time
2: Well, and it it became a model for pretty much every modern democracy in the world today. Um, And we definitely based it off of the British form of government, but we were the first constitutional democracy in the world. And, you know, Europe, the whole way, almost all of Europe functions now follows this model in some way, shape or form. Um, I think Korea, Japan. um, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of uh, countries, uh, Mexico, um, that follow this model. And it's a, you know, like you said, it is a it is a special document in that sense. And unlike other countries like France or Germany that have had multiple new governments and how many French, rep- I think they're on the third French Republic since yeah. the revolution started in 1789. And they had an empire in between one of those, like that. That tells you kind of, you know, as old and as prestigious as France well, they is. St- they
1: still have a monarchy. Right? They're just not recognized. You
2: know, they're still yeah.
1: like the, the the Prince of Paris, right? He's still a guy. And the, Yeah, the line in case they there. want to switch back to the monarchy,
2: yeah. they can they, they can hand it to him. Guys, I'm here. But, <laughs> just if this whole thing doesn't work all out, let
1: we'll know. Bit. But, that
2: you know, that, that does show, you know, is, France was, is our first and our oldest ally, but the changes that they've gone through since we've become an independent nation are massive um same thing with germany um you know obviously the they've had a few rough when ones. they've they've had a couple transition periods um <laughs> to say for lack of a better term and and you know spain only throughout fascism and what the 80s like
1: uh, the 60s it, is when uh um The, their Franco? king stepped down. Yeah, Franco. Oh. When he stepped down, and then his brother kind of took it. And then his brother was like, "All right, we let's let's kind of throw this thing off, and then we'll." Yeah, and I think their transition took
2: a while. Yeah. Um, the point being that that there's this Republican governance and democracy, constitutional democracy, is it's a relatively new thing on the world stage. And not that America invented democracy; we didn't, um, but yeah, we our didn't, system of government we didn't invent is unique. The republic,
1: yeah. Either we we didn't really invent any of this, but we put it together, and we had these these founding fathers who each kind of brought something a little bit different that was necessary, right? Like Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. brought this idea of individual liberty that's incredibly important in the, and the in rights the of man, and and the fact that the states need to be have their own kind of set of independence um have hamilton come in and, and be so first of all to, to kind of come up with the broad idea of the, the government in general like he came prepared to the constitutional convention and said here's what will work and then to also kind of say and oh, we need a strong executive right mm-hmm. and then you've got madison kind of like well easy there like let's peel it back a bit and George Washington willing to take that role on and then also willing to step down from it voluntarily. Um, It's just this this thing that kind of got woven together. And again, pulling from antiquity and the enlightenment. And it works pretty well, even through the rough patches, it makes it through and and can kind of be restored. Mm
3: And that's the, the cool thing. Um, and maybe this is a good place to stop, but as, as kids, as, as all three of us are parents, but you know, I, I hope we never get away from that adage that, hey, this really is the greatest country that the world has ever known. Um, and the better that you understand history and the better that you understand how all of that was woven together, the more of an appreciation you have for it and the more that yeah, this stuff that we've discussed tonight really, really matters. So your responsibility as a citizen is, is not to just care about it, but to understand about it and teach others about, yeah, this is this is a problem that people don't understand um, our, our system as well as we should. And it's, it's incumbent upon us to, to do the best we can to kind of carry the torch. I agree.
2: Which I agree. is... Absolutely you know, agree, is, Cameron.
1: So is that you announcing your candidacy for the 2024 and, presidential election?
3: You know, I I'm a man of action. <laughs> hey, and I, and I told you people. I'm a man of the people. Why not 2020? I mean, the big
1: fiscal is coming out. Is what you're always I, talking about. Listen, Eric. unless we can get some more viewers, and then to have at least half those viewers write you in,
3: <laughs> I. Just saying, the big I'm fiscal can't 2024. Do yeah, the, we'll, we'll eliminate the national debt. We'll balance the budget. There you go.
2: <laughs> Cameron, man, if you were president Are we using and they the brought envelope a budget to you, for this? <laughs> I would love it. I would love it because they would give you a budget that would be $2.5 trillion in deficits. And you'd be like, I'm not signing it. Get it back nope. to zero. Get it to zero. <laughs> Did you, did you put the cash
1: into the envelopes this time, or no? And we're, and we're snowball. Exactly. I'm not.
2: <laughs> Here's seven hundred billion the, dollars for defense.
3: billion envelope. <laughs> I don't see it. It's for a no, special projects. we got project. the black.
2: Oh man, I can't. <laughs> I would be. I would love to see the snowball, the debt snowball that Cameron would build as president of the United States. <laughs> do we it's really a need? Thing. Do we really need farm aid? No. Let's roll it into the snowball, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be lean. We're gonna have to tighten our belts, but we'll get through it. I'm excited. You guys
3: are familiar you guys are familiar with the schoolhouse rock um song about ty- Tyrannosaurus debt, right?
2: <laughs> no. I, I'm not. I'm gonna have to look that up in a minute.
3: <laughs> oh, look it up, man. It's uh it's infuriating to watch and I make my kids watch it all the time.
2: Good. You sound like check a, it out. I will. Awesome. Yep. There well, it is. Tyrannosaurus. I like set. it. Oh my gosh! The one thing we've determined to solve this problem is to get Cameron elected president. So I'm down.
1: I'm just worried my war Let the budget. Show. I'm just worried that my war budget, not defense budget, my war budget is going to be smaller than I'd hoped. Yeah, hey, your
2: <laughs> your war budget is going to be you largely only, based on you you decoupage only, and popsicle sticks. You only so. get
1: 500 billion to wage war. <laughs> all right oh Canada here we come
2: yeah you have to get a bridge loan to get some uh, get some of those F-35s
1: well you know what we plunder from Canada is what all oh, you yeah? pay it back well no I don't even okay. get to take a loan he has to give it to me in cash that's the problem I'm literally going to be walking around with cash like George Washington during the revolution like trying to pay guys like, here's twenty bucks. Just stay on for another day, please. I mean,
2: if you can't if you can't go to war on five hundred billion dollars a year, then you're doing something wrong.
1: Uh, so we've been doing something wrong in this country. It seems oh, I would
2: absolutely agree. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's wrap it up because we're going off the. That's a good, here.
2: great way to end. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Yeah. This is uh This is dad bet. This has been Dad Bod After Dark.
3: Thanks for
2: joining us. I'm Jake.
3: Have
2: a good one.